This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, friends. This is Annie Grace, and I am answering questions. And today I am answering a question that's kind of a follow up from what I did the other day. And I mentioned something called the pitcher plant. And the pitcher plant is um, an analogy that Alan Carr puts forward. And basically, the pitcher plant is a plant that's a meat eating plant, and it's native to sort of Madagascar. And what happens is that if you're an insect and you're flying through the woods, the pitcher plant emits this smell that's really intoxicating and it smells great and it smells like nectar and just this beautiful smell and so it attracts its insects to it and you land at the edge of this beautiful looking plant shaped like a pitcher and you want to get a taste of this nectar but you have to go sort of inside the rim to start to drink the nectar and so you go inside the rim and you have a taste of the nectar that's kind of coating this rim and it tastes really good and you very quickly become very entranced uh, with this nectar and you want to drink more and more of it and so you start to what you don't notice is that under your feet the hairs of the plant on the edges of these plant are growing downward and you're actually starting to slide down into the plant and it takes you a little bit to notice this and and you maybe notice it you know and look around and realize well at least i have wings i can fly out of this plant the other thing you don't notice is that your feet are becoming more and more ensnared and more trapped in this very sticky nectar and then you know you come up from drinking and you look around and you see dead bodies of all these other insects that have been trapped by this plant and the nectar you realize is actually the digested the juice of the digested insects that have already been trapped and ensnared in this plant and you realize that you're stuck and you're at the bottom of this plant and you cannot escape and the moment that you realize it's almost too late uh, for these insects because they can't get out. And so Alan Carr uses this as a metaphor for alcohol because he says it's all around us and it's held up as this beautiful thing and we're so susceptible to it from a young age. I mean, Super Bowl commercials and you know, parties, and it just comes on heavy and fast that this is somehow the elixir of life, and it's so important, and it enhances everything we do, and so we believe this, and we don't see the harm in it, and we don't see the danger in it, and then when we start to see the danger, when we start to see the harm, it's after drinking for quite some time, and it's after realizing that our tolerance has grown, after realizing that we're drinking more than we ever set out to drink, and suddenly we have this experience that we look around the bar and we see people that are just stuck, whose lives are being consumed and ruined by alcohol, and we see the same for ourselves. And at that point, how do we escape? And so uh, the question this week, is you've obviously read Alan Carr, Annie, because there was a reference to the pitcher plant. I think it's a great metaphor, but I sometimes struggle with the idea that if we're almost at the bottom of the plant and we can see the casualties below, how in the world can we lift ourselves up from so far down? So um, I think, you know, we explain drinking as such a normal thing when it truly is addictive and it truly can ensnare us. And I think that that is one of the things that we turn a blind eye to so frequently in this society. I mean, do you recall making a choice to ever drink every night or to ever drink as much as you're drinking? You know, I, I certainly didn't. I didn't ever make the choice consciously to say, yeah, I'm going to increase 
you know, the amount I'm drinking. No, you know, tolerance snuck up on me and this dependence snuck up on me. And if you think about it too, in terms of the, the plant, this trajectory that you're on with drinking, how many people do you know in your life? And let's exclude college party days, but you know, your peers that you hang out with, that you drink with, are they gonna be drinking more or less in five years than they are today? Are they drinking more or less today than they did five years ago? You know, we're on a trajectory and we're on a trajectory of drinking more. And that's just the nature of alcohol. Not only are we building a tolerance, but it's also addictive. So it's very similar to the pitcher plant. And there's this great quote, I think it's by Samuel Jackson that says, the chains of habit are too weak to be felt until they're too strong to be broken. And I think it's very adept because often at the moment that we realize that, oh, this is not everything I thought it was. This is actually the nectar of death. There's actually, this drink is made of poison. It's causing cancer. It's doing these horrible things in our society and our lives. We realize this at the moment that we're already stuck and we start to struggle against it. And so the question is in essence, well then how do we escape? Um, I think two things. I think that my passion and, and what I want to do is I want to help open this conversation so that we're talking to our kids, we're talking to each other before we get to a point where we feel like we're trapped. I mean, why are we waiting until that point? Why can't we have this conversation? You know, if I was sitting around and I was eating candy with a friend of mine, we'd talk about the fact that it has a lot of sugar, you know, and we talk about the fact that it has a lot of calories. We don't sit around drinking Chardonnay, talking about how we should just have one because of the dangers of breast cancer or liver damage, you know, and, and why not? Why are we not having that conversation? Why are we not bringing some consciousness and some mindfulness into this conversation. And so I really want to sort of talk to people before we reach that point. But equally, I think the key to escaping once you've reached this point of feeling completely trapped, feeling at the absolute bottom of the pitcher plant, is to really understand, you know, how you got there. And this is going to get heavy on the brain science, and I'm going to do my best to make it as simple as possible. But Many studies show that addiction is really deeply connected with stress. So this is one of the reasons, you know, that people can go on for years and years and years just drinking socially, just drinking on occasion, and have that not develop into addiction. And I think often when you develop into addiction, it's when you start drinking to self-medicate, when you start drinking as a form of relief, and when you start drinking through stress. And that can happen because something stressful happened in your life Equally, it can happen because you realize how much you're drinking and you're not happy about it and that in itself creates a sense of stress. And then what do we do when we're stressed? We reach for another drink. So the drinking itself can actually be this source of stress in your life. But something really happens very interesting in your brain with high levels of stress. So you have all sorts of senses. You know, you, we know obviously about our sense of sight, our sense of touch, our sense of smell. There's all sorts of senses that you might not you know, think of as senses, but your body has a sense of temperature and it's always trying to maintain homeostasis. It's trying to maintain balance. It's like a thermostat. 
And so if you're sick and you have a fever, that threshold for your temperature actually rises. And so your temperature is going up and down right around 98.6 degrees. And then you have a fever and it's still going up and down. It's just going up and down right around 100 degrees. And when you're really stressed, there's something called your hedonic threshold. And this is from the research of Dr. Kevin McCauley and his work in a DVD called Pleasure Unwoven, and it's absolutely excellent. But what happens is that your hedonic threshold rises. So the things that you did before you were really stressed, before your body was flooded with cortisol, before whatever happened in your life, whether it was drinking too much or whether it was an external circumstance, suddenly your body is in this stressed out really intense mode and your hedonic threshold that's your pleasure sense and pleasure of course is something that relieves stress elevates so it used to be that if you were stressed out and you came home and you know your kid made you laugh really hard your stress could dissipate when you're really stressed and something extremely stressful is happening in your life and sometimes it's trauma sometimes it's change you know who knows what it is for each individual that threshold actually rises and so the things that used to relieve your stress aren't hitting it anymore and so you know a laugh isn't hitting that threshold and and the stress is building and things aren't hitting it. And this again can happen just because you're drinking too much and you've decided you wanna cut back and you don't know how. That is a very, very stressful situation. The idea that you might have to start to go to treatment or you know, extremely stressful. And so the normal stress relievers aren't hitting it and your body is crying out for relief. And guess what? It will find relief. And that's why you know our our painkiller epidemic, you know, it's it's tied in with the stress levels in our culture. Our addiction is tied in with the stress levels in our culture. And so one thing that will give you relief is something that artificially messes with your pleasure center, that artificially stimulates it. And guess what? Drugs of abuse and alcohol artificially stimulate your pleasure center. So suddenly you can have a drink and it goes above that hedonic threshold and it provides relief. And if you start drinking to provide relief, suddenly you've changed something in your brain. And the thing about it is that your body is so desperate for the relief of that stress. It is crying out in such a great degree for the relief of that stress that when you do something to relieve it, the dopamine release tells you what dopamine does. Let's take a second and talk about dopamine. It's the learning molecule. It's the thing that keeps us moving forward and evolution. It gets released when something good and pleasurable happens so that we know to look for it again. Now, it's not the liking molecule. It doesn't mean you enjoy it, but it means you want it and you crave it. And so dopamine becomes released because your body says, ah, that relieves my stress. I need that. And your brain gets tricked, tricked into believing that alcohol is the answer and the relief to stress. And what happens in your brain is your pleasure circuit is actually rewired to where the alcohol and your craving for alcohol and your need for alcohol when you become deeply physically addicted is akin to your need for survival. And that's what it's like to be at the bottom of the pitcher plant. So they've shown this in mice, right? They get mice addicted to something. And what they'll do is they'll give them this addictive substance and the mice will ignore food in front of them. They'll ignore their young. They'll ignore water. They will starve themselves to death to keep self-administering what they're addicted to. Because addiction tells your brain at that point of addiction that what you're addicted to is more crucial to your survival than food, than water, than sex, 
than anything else pleasurable because it's been hijacked and your brain circuitry has been rewired to make what you're addicted to more important than anything else. And that's why, despite a very true conscious desire to stop, to give it up, it becomes really, really difficult. And actually, they've done this other study where they've taken addicts and they've put them in MRI machines. And dopamine, by the way, happens when something is triggered. So if you're addicted to cocaine and you see white powder, you can have this trigger and this dopamine letdown and this flood, and you can have this deep, deep craving for cocaine, even if you've decided you never wanna do it again. And so what they did is they put addicts into MRI machines. And so they'd put someone who's addicted to alcohol in this machine or addicted to cocaine, and they'd show them images of things they're not addicted to. So they'd show, you know, someone who's addicted to alcohol, a picture of cocaine, nothing would happen in the brain. They'd show someone who's addicted to alcohol, a picture of, you know, scotch on the rocks dopamine release would flood down. And the really interesting thing of when that would happen is the prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that you use to make good decisions, it went black in these MRI studies. That means at that moment of craving, at that moment of desperation for the substance that you need and you desire, your part of your brain that you use to make long-term decisions, to make the decision to not have that next drink, it shuts off. And that is just, so terrifying and that means that the choice then for that addict has been removed from the equation and the interest that's that's the bottom of the pitcher plan that's when you're struggling against something and you can't actually make those decisions anymore now there's two things that are really good news here okay so because it sounds very depressing first first really good news is that um we're not like the fly. We are human beings. We have an intellect. We can understand the dangers of the trap and through understanding, we can find escape. And there's lots of different ways to understand this. And my recommendation, my, my honest recommendation, and it's what I did, is to learn as much as you can about how it all works. So there's three resources, of course, I'll recommend my book, um, This Naked Mind. It, it goes really deep into the the brain science. Um, I'll also recommend, and if you're going to get anything, get this. Don't get my book. Get this thing. It's called The Addictive Brain. It's Great Courses by Thad A. Polk. And it deeps, it's a deep dive into exactly what happens. And then, of course, Dr. Kevin McCauley and Pleasure Unwoven. And by understanding what's happening, why you feel these things that you don't understand, it really can provide you the tools to escape the pitcher plant because the question again was when we're deep in it, when we're seeing the bodies, when we're stuck in the nectar, how do we escape? And I think through understanding is really important. And then the other thing that I'll say is that most of us aren't there yet. Most of us aren't at the place where if you put us in an MRI machine and show us a glass of wine, our prefrontal cortex is going to shut off. We're not there. Now we can get there. You know, it is so true that if you drink enough over the right amount of time, the right levels, the right circumstances, you can get there. You can become addicted. They've proven this over and over in animals that people and human beings were, were organisms. We can become addicted to addictive substances. But if you're not there, which most of us aren't, then you can stop this. You can get off the train before it crashes. You can recognize what's happening before it takes over, before it 
before those chains of habit become too strong to be broken. And if you are there, you need to get yourself into a situation where you can break the physical addiction without access to the alcohol. So if you can't go a day or two days without drinking and you just can't and you don't understand why, your brain has been, there's something happening that's taken away your ability to choose. It's not your fault. You know, it's just like, um, uh, this is probably going to be a medically inaccurate example, so forgive me, but diabetic, you know, we've all heard that that can happen from eating too much sugar or any organism in the body can be damaged by an exposure to a toxin, right? So you, you can expose something to a toxin, the organism can be damaged, and then you get a disease. If you expose your brain to too much alcohol, your prefrontal cortex becomes damaged, it becomes impaired. Your ability to choose not to have that drink becomes impaired. And at that point, you need to get somewhere where you don't actually have access, so you aren't faced with making those decisions. And studies show that the only thing that can reduce craving when you're in that level of addiction is to eliminate the access to the substance, and that's what needs to happen. Um, that being said, most of us aren't there. And, and let's have a conversation so that we don't get there. Let's have a conversation so that we can get out of this pitcher plant, so that we can wake up to the fact that we're in it, that, you know, this is happening, that our, that our, I'm sorry, I got a call, <laughs> that our trajectory of drinking is going one direction and that direction is north. So let us um, try to, be conscious of this, be mindful of this, and, and hopefully stop it before it starts. But thank you for the question. I apologize that the answer was so complex. And please ask follow-up questions to this one because I realize that trying to squeeze that much sort of science into a 15-minute video is not an easy task. So I'm very happy to clarify anything that's come out of that. Thanks. This has been Annie Grace with This Naked Mind Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can learn more at thisnakedmind.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps us spread the word.